All right, what I want to talk on today, and we are, get your Bibles because we are going to turn to some scripture in it. And so this is more of a, a handles type message. When COVID hit, oh, let me give you the context. Like everybody else, I was saying, God, what? And I just felt God drop a simple phrase in my heart. Tell my people not to lose heart. That's simple. Tell my people not to lose heart. And so I did do a preach on that in some churches. Just all, but developed out of that, if we're not going to lose heart, then we need to cultivate our heart. And so I want to talk on cultivating a heart after God or creating an atmosphere within or positioning ourselves, however you want to do it. Because only God can bring growth. We cannot bring growth. Some water, some plant, but God brings the growth. And so we continually need to position ourselves in a way that God can continue to bring the growth within and through us, if you understand what I'm saying. And this can only be done through the Holy Spirit. It cannot be done any other way. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It has to be. If it's going to last, if it's going to have impact, if there's going to be a fruit, it has to be an activity of the Holy Spirit. And so Proverbs 4 tells us, above all else, you know the scripture, guard your heart, because it is a wellspring of life. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. And so I'm just going to give simple five, six points, and some have been already said this morning through Ron and Craig, which has been wonderful. And the first one is simply this, before I get on to that, Jesus told a parable and in the parable, it's of the seed of the sower. You can go read it in Mark 4, Matthew 13, and Luke 8. And the seed is the word of God, because he interpreted the parable for us. And the seed fell on different parts of soil. Some fell on the path. And then the Bible, Jesus said, the devil came and snatched it away and took the understanding so nothing could happen. Then some fell amongst the rocks. And it was choked because of the worries of life and the anxieties of life. But some fell on good soil. And the good soil represents the heart. And when the seed fell on good soil, and understand it's a seed. But within that, it has everything that is required to do what God wants it to do. Amen. we just got to be patient. And it's the good heart. So it's, we need to cultivate our hearts to re continually receive that seed ongoingly. That's what I'm talking about. That the work of the Holy Spirit will... So the first one is a very simple one. Gratitude. Thankfulness. Celebrate what God has done and is doing. Knowing He is faithful to do the rest. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says this. Paul says to the Philippians, work out your salvation or continue to work out your salvation. For it is God who works in you to willing to act and do according to his good pleasure. Continue to work it out. In other words, what God began, he will continue to work out. But the atmosphere that requires that, or one of them, is a heart of gratitude. A heart of thankfulness. A daily, thankful, 
gratitude in our hearts. What God has begun, He will continue to grow in an atmosphere of thankfulness. I encourage you, develop that in your life. Okay. Thankfulness is what we feed off. That's what it is. Don't ever feed yourself off what God has not done yet. It will create an atmosphere in your heart for offense and self-pity to arise. Don't ever feed off what God has not done yet. Because it will create an atmosphere in you of an offense to arise or we go in on ourselves. We become self-piteous. Why? Because I've been there. <laughs> you with me? And that doesn't attract the presence of God. It just doesn't. And so I got to learn to be great, grateful. I'm eternally grateful for my salvation. I cannot tell you people, I eternally are grateful. It is such a great, I nearly preached on what biblical salvation is. Because we don't understand what real biblical salvation is. It's a person. Jesus Christ. It's not a verse. It's not a set of decrees. It's not, it's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. All that he has done and all that he is doing. It's a relationship. That's what true biblical salvation is. And only the Holy Spirit can tell you inside your heart that that's what's happened to you. Don't let any other person tell you that has to be a work. Colossians 3, verse 15 to 17, in those four verses, Paul talks to this church about being thankful. Five times he talks about being thankful, being thankful, being thankful, being thankful. You can go home and read it. About a year ago, this was my wife's idea. No, about two years ago, just before COVID started, we have a gratitude jar in our kitchen. And every time we want to thank God for something, because we found at the end of the year, my favorite holiday in this country is Thanksgiving. It's my favorite, bar Because there's nothing else involved. There's nothing I have to go buy. There's no paraphernalia. There's no, it's just been thankful for what God has done. It's not all the glitz and the glamour, and you understand what I'm saying. And so we decided to, in the year, just to write down, as we experience something of God, or as we're, th- just write it down a piece of it, put it in the gratitude jar. On Thanksgiving Day, we read those. We read those. And I'm telling you, you're shocked to see, oh, yes, I remember what God did you. Oh, and even the small things. <laughs> even the small things. And so we just want to develop that lifestyle of gratitude. Gratitude to God and thankful for people that is put in, in, in your life. Amen. Cultivate that life. I encourage you, cultivate it. Next thing, cultivate a renewed mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's read that, if I can. Romans 12. I didn't write the scriptures down, so we have to turn to it. Cultivate a renewed mind. Most of you know the scripture. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then 
you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, good, pleasing, and perfect will. A renewed mind is a tool that facilitates a tender heart. It's a tool that facilitates. When we got saved, when I got saved, my mind didn't get saved. We have to understand that. My soul got saved. I mean, my spirit got saved. I became a new person with a new nature inside of me. But my mind still wanted to think like I used to. And if we don't renew it, we, because everything we do starts here first. We have to renew our mind. That's what Paul is saying. Renew your mind. Renew it. Keep renewing it. It facilitates the work and the activity of the Holy Spirit in and through our life. It adjusts my emotions. It adjusts my attitudes. It adjusts what needs to be adjusted within me ongoingly. So my heart can be pliable and tender in his hands. I can become clay in the potter's hands. So he can do what he wants to do in and through a life surrendered. So keep in the word. And it's come through. Keep in the word. But don't just read it for the sake of reading it. Read it for the sake of it having impact within your life. And keep changing the attitudes. Because you cannot change your attitude. You cannot change that bad attitude you have. Like TK can't. Sorry, TK. He can't. Yeah. <laughs> but the Word of God is powerful and active. And it has the ability to change what needs to be changed with inside of us. You with me? Renew your mind. I encourage you. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. This is a very, very key thing. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 18. I want to show you something that helped me understand this a little bit more. 1 Samuel chapter 18. It's about King Saul. 1 Samuel 18. Sorry, we don't have notes. You know, this, you know the whole story when Saul and David went out to fight these battles and they came back in 1 Samuel 18. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul singing and dancing with joyful songs with tambourines and flutes. And this is, they danced and they sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David tens of thousands. Verse 8. Very key verse. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They credited David with tens of thousands. What does the next word say? He thought. He thought. That thought was a spiral that started the spiral in this man's life. That thought. You read from then on how he just went downhill because he allowed this thought to take root in him. And he wanted to kill David and eventually he wanted to kill his own son, Jonathan, because that's where it started. Don't allow the thoughts of the enemy to take root inside you. I'm encouraging you strongly, very strongly. Be changed in the attitude of your mind. All right, number three, continue to declare the revelation he has given you. Continue to declare. Don't allow the hardships or the tough times, because life comes at us, 
and the unanswered questions in these tough times to cancel the revelation of who God is and what he has said to you. I'll say that again. Don't allow the tough times. Don't allow unanswered prayer. Don't allow the hardships that come our way, because they do, as just been taught by Craig, which I agree with, to cancel the revelation of who God is and what he has said to you. Continue to declare the revelation. I daily, and I mean it, preach the gospel to myself. Daily. I get up and I thank the Lord for this incredible gospel that's impacted my life. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Somebody else mentioned that, that scripture as well. I hope this is helpful to you, folk. I'm trying to make it as practical as possible. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we don't have time to read the whole verse, but from verse 4 onwards, or let's go to verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death. Let me say that verse again to you. For we who are alive are always being given over to death, okay, so that his life may be revealed in this mortal body. So that death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Then verse 13 is the key for me. It is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. With the same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us up. So Paul is saying through all his hardships, all the trials, all that he went through, all the persecution, the times he was abandoned and left for dead and bitten by a snake and all that, whatever it may be, he always never stopped declaring what God had revealed to him. I believe, therefore, I spoke, spoke, continue to declare the revelation that God has put within you. Don't allow any hardship to shut that down. Because we'll only live in what comes out of our mouth. You live in what comes out of your mouth. I don't know if I've done this before, so let me you do it. I might think I have, but it's key to understand this. Let me use, let me use these two young guys. This man and this man, if I may. Why don't you come stand, Jeffrey? So I think I've done this in this church as well. But this is key. Okay, you stand on the side. Yeah, no, I'm a little worried. Okay. The Bible says that every testimony has to be established by the two or three witnesses. Jesus said it a couple of times, Paul. Every testimony has to be established by two or three witnesses. In other words, if we took up an offering here and the money was, somebody was taking the money out and this young man took the money out and I followed him and I saw him putting all the money in his pocket and I run in here and I say, TK, you won't believe what I saw. This guy's just shoving all the cash in his pocket. So TK calls us in and says, did you do it? He says, no. I said, you did. He said, no. 
This one testimony, one, nothing can be established. We need another testimony. Do you understand? All right, you're going to play the devil. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes he, he's going to play God. He's been redeemed. <laughs> All right. So, the devil comes to you and I, and he whispers to us. I know your struggles. I know your shortcomings. I know what you did last week. I know this, I know that. And he whispers it to us. The Lord comes to us and speaks to us and said, I've redeemed you. I've called you. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Okay? That is one testimony. That is one testimony. Whatever I speak is the second testimony. That's what I live in. Watch what comes out of your mouth. That's how powerful that scripture is. So even as a Christian, if I keep receiving the lies that the devil speaks to me and I allow it to cultivate, it will come out of my mouth. And then I become critical, judgmental, and I've never seen God use a critical person. Thank you, guys. That's why the scripture, therefore I believe, therefore I've spoken. I believe, therefore I spoke. So when you're going through a tough time, speak what God has made real to you. Speak it to yourself. Speak it to your wife. Speak it to your family. Speak it as you drive in the car. Just keep speaking it. I believe, therefore I spoke. Amen. All right. I love Abram. Abram, against all hope, in hope believed that he would have a child because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. Romans 4.18. He considered him faithful who had made the promise. Next one. Continue to feed yourself on the incredible things God did in and through ordinary men and women. Now, the Bible is full of them. And there's obviously we have our different eras in the Bible. And this is where I'm going to maybe recommend one or two books. Because I found, but not books in telling you how to plant a church or whatever. <laughs> Testimony books. Books of what God did through wonderful, ordinary men and women. All right. You read the Bible? I agree with you. But when you read something else, for me it was. I'm just being honest with you. Like a guy like Smith Wigglesworth, an uneducated plumber. When I first got saved, somebody put that book in my hand. I tell you, other than the Word of God, it fed me. Because I saw God take an ordinary man, uneducated, and do what he did through this ordinary man, through a surrendered life. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. What it did to me, it took the ceiling off. It took the ceiling off, because we put the ceiling on ourselves, and God's wanting to keep taking it off. That's what I did. So feed yourself continually on what God has done through ordinary men and women. It takes the boxes off. It takes the ceiling off. It's very important, I find. So I even carry one of those little books around with me, but I won't show it to you in case. <laughs> it's, it's called The Apostle of Faith. So, yeah. yeah no, oh, there we are. I can make some money. I'll make it out there. Yeah. so continually feed yourself what I found is it kept my heart pliable and it kept my heart with hope and expectation that's what it did 
I kept it soft. I kept it pliable. I kept it. There's an expectation. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That word hope of glory is simply somebody literally standing on their tippy toes saying, yes, God, yes, yes, something's about to happen. What is it? What is it? That's what it literally means. It's like you're standing at the railway station and the train is about to come and you keep, it's coming. You know it's coming. It's just when. It's that. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That, that, that hope, that divine expectation, something's going to happen. Some, that's what I begin to place in me. So you walk around beginning to look for it. Amen. All right. Next one. Faithful. Be faithful with God has given you. Faithful with what you've received. Now, there's two parts to this. Be faithful with what you have received. 2 Timothy 1. Cultivating a heart after God. 2 Timothy 1.13 says this, What you have heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. God, God, the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. So the Bible says, guard the good deposit. That word good deposit and entrusted to you is nurture it. Watch over it. Keep it with care and interest and intention. That's what he's saying. Be aware of it. Don't just let it come and go. Guard it. Watch it. Speak it. Continue to raise it in. But guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. What is, what is Paul saying here? What does it mean, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit? Well, in 1 John chapter 2, the Bible talks about the anointing teaches us. The anointing teaches us. In other words, it's not that we don't need people. We do. But the gifts and the callings on people's lives is the anointing of God in their lives. And as they speak, that anointing teaches us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. The anointing teaches us. And that word teach is simply this. It's a word called didisco. It means to learn from, to lead, to instruct. It's a pupil-disciple relationship. One teaches, the other learns by assimilating, eternalizing as part of himself. But the main aim of teaching is the shaping of the will of the person. That's the main aim of that teaching. So when the Holy Spirit teaches, the main aim is the Holy Spirit, by the anointing, shaping the will within us to make it pliable in the hands of Him. doesn't mean we don't have our will. We do. We make choices. But we make it in line with Him. So I choose to do this. I choose to speak with faith. That's what Paul is saying. That which the Holy Spirit has given to you, guard it with His help. Don't lose it. Because it will begin to shape you. As we receive and guard, the heart continually becomes pliable. And you need to guard that. That's the one side of it. The other side of it is this. If you go to 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, it says this. And then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses in trust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. So the first part is guarding it. The second part is sharing it willingly. Somebody spoke about gifts, and I can't remember who it was. The growth in that area comes through use. The world wants to hoard everything and keep it to grow it. 
the Bible says, what I've given you, give out. Then it will increase. Spend it out. Give it to others. Lay it down for others. Then the increase comes. You're with me? So there's two parts to God in that deposit. Guard it. Watch it with care and interest and intention. And then learn to give it out. And then the last one, keep our hearts pliable before the Lord. Remain hungry. I encourage you to remain hungry. Remain hungry. There's a number of things that make us hungry, but there's two things, main things that I find make me hungry. One is desperation, and one is the appetite. You develop an appetite because you've tasted of something. If you haven't tasted of it, you can't develop an appetite. The more you taste of God, the more you have an appetite for Him. That's what happens. The more you taste of God, taste and see that He is good, your appetite develops and desperation. There's a parable that Jesus said in Luke 11. Luke 11, the Bible says, Luke 11 verse 1, Jesus was praying. And then the disciples saw what He was doing and said, well, teach us to do that. Good question. So he, you know the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. But then he puts a parable straight after that. And this parable is about one friend that goes to another friend at midnight and says, give me some bread. I've arrived in this town. My family is hungry. So this guy says, listen, I don't have what you need. So let me go to this person next door and get what you need. And then Jesus said, therefore I say to you, ask and you will give and knock and you will receive, seek and you will find. If your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit of his ass? What is he saying? He's saying simply this, that you're going to have times in your life where people are going to come to you don't have the answers. You cannot give what they need. So you've got to go and get it from somewhere else, from him. And you're going to cry out, God, help me. I don't know what to do. And a desperation rises up in you. And when that cry comes from within you, that deep cry, it opens something up inside you. That's what it does. That's what I find. When it's a genuine cry, it begins to shift something and it opens something within you. Remain hungry. Remain desperate. Because that will keep my heart pliable. When I read that scripture many, many years ago, I'm just telling you, end with a story. It's a simple story. We were leading youth down in Cape Town, and um, I read that scripture, and it, it, something gripped me deep inside my heart about that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, He will give us. Sorry, this hand shakes a little bit. It's not the anointing. It's just a, it's called an essential tremor. Some people think it's anointing. It's not. It's just called an essential tremor. It just makes my life a little difficult. That's all. Um, and something, God did something inside of me. I'd read it and read it, but one day I remember something, and I felt God say, if you ask me for the Holy Spirit, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. So we were in a youth meeting, and uh, we were going nowhere with that meeting, to be brutally honest. <laughs> you know, when you're with youth, <laughs> you can't pull the wool over their eyes, boy. They just tell you straight. If they're not interested, they will make it known to you they're not interested. They start yawning, they start doing this, they start doing that, and, you know, your faith level just goes downward. 
So, <laughs> as I was speaking, that scripture came up inside of me. So I said, all right, what are we going to do, folk? We're going to wait. We're going to stop. We're just going to stop. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd never done that before. It was a learning curve for me. And I said, all we're going to do is sit and wait. So that's what we did. Two minutes went by. Three minutes went by. Five minutes went by. Think about it with young people. Ten minutes went by. Twelve minutes went by. Sixteen minutes went by. Somewhere just after 20 minutes, the presence of the God came into that place. I didn't know what to look for or what to be, but we knew it because of the manifestations that were happening. Because when the manifest presence of God comes, there sometimes can be manifestations on people's lives. There was a young kid sitting about four rows down. They just fell out of their chair. The one next to them just stood up and started to scream. I put a faith in me. When we cry out for the Holy Spirit, He is faithful. He will come. But don't decide how He needs to come. Let Him choose to do what He can only He can do. And then learn to recognize that and flow with that. In your own life, in your own meetings, in your own home, in your own family, in your own businesses. Because they will come, because that's what Jesus said. If you ask, I will give. That's why we need to keep asking. And I find these simple six things keeps my heart pliable. Keeps my heart as clay in his hands. Cultivating a heart after God continually. So I hope this encourages you. It's okay. Good job. Stay on There are no formulas. This is not a formula. But this is an equipping for everyone to be more effective in walking with God. And I, I think just it's the overflow of his heart. It's not something he read. It's something I know he lives. And it's for all of us here today, every single one of us. You know, our ministry follows our lives. Most people are like, eh, I want my life to be about this, but my ministry to be about this. Your ministry follows who you are. Your life does not follow your ministry. Your ministry follows your life. And so for us, this is something to live out rather than put on. And so I, I feel like there's been a challenge for every one of us. Just the sweet, the awesomeness, the goodness of God. This, the head knowledge that we carry in the church, it's because we haven't allowed revelation to be manifested because of the confrontation that needs to take place. Does that make sense? There's so many of us, when he was talking about renewing our mind, how it all happens there, not just in the heart, but, it, but you know when a revelation comes, for that revelation to actually find its manifestation, it has to go through some kind of steps. And I think the first step from revelation, when God reveals something, we're going to be careful when we ask for revelation. 
Because when God reveals something to you, it means something in your life has to change. It's God's invitation for you to change your life. So when God brings a revelation, what He's saying is, I'm, I, I'm inviting you for my truth to be your truth. You better adjust something for that to happen. That's why we like revelation, but not so much. And that's why the church, I think, has incredible revelation, but we're not living in it because we won't first step confront. Something in my life has to change. So we leave it in head knowledge, revelation, revelation. We regurgitate it, we speak it, but we don't live in it. Why? Because we're not willing to adjust, confront. So the step of revelation, confrontation. The next step, transformation. The next step, manifestation. It's like when I, I'm not trying to, because I want us to pray here for the, the leaders in a moment. But it's like when I found out my wonderful wife was pregnant three times. First time, it's like, what? And the doctor, and like, no, can't be, babe. Go get another test. Surely another test. What? She is. Revelation. You are having a baby. Nine months time, a baby's coming. From that moment... We begin to confront life. Can't travel there, can't be there. Got to find a room for this baby that's about to come in. And then Nicole begins to show this baby. And there's a, a, a transforming of that truth becoming real. But then there's a birthing. And what was spoken of and said nine months later is manifested. But we had to confront things in our lives. And I think so many of us come to great meetings and, man, Americans are... Our churches are over-stimulized with truth, but we're not living in it because we're not willing to confront. I want to tell you the greatest thing when God reveals for us to confront, to live in those things. And I think Ken's just laid out a way we can live in this day in and day out, not have moments. I think it's a fantastic job. I really do. It's a God-honoring thing we can all learn from. But just in it, and TK came and just said, hey, I feel like it just, this is for all of us. We all want to respond. But there is something about leadership, and those who lead local churches, they, it's almost without putting pressure on them, how they respond will determine a whole lot of response going forward. It's an individual response, but there's a leadership position God gives people. And we really need our leaders to, in God, cultivate this heart, have this heart, and in a sense, encounter God afresh.